By the way, that's a lie. I wasn't going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> is this the improv part of this the is show? the improv part of the show. <laughs> that's going into the outtake at the beginning of the episode. Welcome to Catching Up with Aaron, a podcast where I talk to people I know and, well, catch up with them. I'm incredibly, incredibly excited to welcome one of my all-time best friends on this episode. Uh, we met in, I think, 1991, so we're, we're pushing 30 years now, and we've, we've weathered many a storm together. And even though we have, like, a physical distance, we stay in pretty close contact uh, thanks to, you know, the social media gurus. Uh, my guest is a devoted husband, father, uh, successful budding real estate bro. Real estate bro. How about real estate pro? <laughs> I do kind of like real estate bro, though. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a real estate bro. <laughs> it's real estate bro. <laughs> The point is, he's an overall fantastic guy. It's Matt Rovis. Welcome, sir, and thank you so much for, for doing this with me tonight. Well, thanks, Aaron. I'm uh, incredibly honored that you chose me to be uh, amongst the members of your podcast, so thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you doing it, and you know, I don't do a lot of these uh, because you know I'm inherently a little bit lazy. Well, maybe not. Maybe lazy is not the word. Maybe busy is the word I should use. It, what I was going to say, between uh, you know being a devoted husband and father yourself, having a full-time job and a uh, mobile DJ business that um, pretty much equates to having a second full-time job. Pretty much. And uh, running our, our biannual uh, music challenge group, uh, I would think your plate is pretty full. It, it does. My cup runneth over. I'm a very blessed individual, but so are you. And, you know, that's just one of the many things we have in common. Absolutely. Because not everyone is from one place. Like if somebody asks me, where are you from? Well, I say I grew up in Michigan, but, you know, I've lived in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area for getting close to 30 years. I mean, it's more like 26, 27. So when somebody asks you, you say, because I know, but, you know, for anybody who doesn't know you, where, when somebody asks you where you grew up, what do you tell them? So I grew up in Washington Township, Michigan, is what I tell them. Um, if you get your right hand and uh, look at your palm, you're looking at the map of Michigan. And I lit, I grew up in the uh, pad of your thumb. I'm looking at it right now because that's what Michigan people do. Yeah, right. Well, if, if this was video, I'd be pointing. Well, like I told you, we don't want to do video. This is not a This is not a video thing. Yeah, I have a face for radio. <laughs> hey, so do I. My dad's told me that for years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the Michigan is where obviously we met, but I know my version of the story. If somebody were to meet two the both of us at the same time and they'd ask you, So how did you two meet? What were the circumstances? What do you remember most fondly about those moments? What what would you tell them about how Matt Rovis and Aaron Elliott met? Well, first of all, my memory is uh, a bit like a block of Swiss cheese. So, um, it, it, but, you know, but we will never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Um, <laughs> That's true. So, hey, you know, uh, Swiss cheese is pretty delicious, though. You got to admit. It, it, it is good, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, it, I look back on those days and I'm like, wow, that was over half a lifetime ago. It sure was. And it's awfully tough to to put some of those pieces together sometime. But the short version of the story would be that we attended the same 
youth group through a church uh, when we were in high school. And we connected that way. And you've been one of my best friends ever since. Yeah. And it, so I, I would tell pretty much the same version of that. Um, I may, because I talk a lot, I would probably add in, you know, the whole bake sale thing. Um, yeah. How we were paired yeah. up. Um, I'd say involuntarily, but, you know, maybe there was the, you know, that's the universe putting us together as best buds. But um, I say we were kind of partnered together for a big bake sale and we camped out at your house for a night and we made a bunch of rum cakes and rum. I don't, for some reason, rum cakes stick out. I don't know if we, if we made anything else, but I remember making rum cakes. We had, we made rum cakes um, and various other baked goods, but I think the rum cakes were uh, probably what made us feel like we were the, the biggest big shots. Cause we got to play with uh, you know, like two tablespoons of alcohol. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a big deal. It, they were the, it was the showcase of our, right. of our efforts. The piece um, de resistance. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I would say, too. I, I think we, we, we pretty much line up on that. Uh, I would add in the whole bake sale thing. And we honestly, did. and I don't think I've made a rum cake since then, which is odd. I don't think I have either, honestly. Maybe it's a one and done type thing. Yeah, it was uh, It was the <laughs> what's in my mom's recipe book that we can make it <laughs> with these things. And it, it worked. Funny to go it on totally worked. And it worked, yeah. Yeah, they were they were selling like... Well, rum cakes. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, I would uh, also add that, uh, like, I think the one of the first weekends that you attended the youth group because I'm a I'm a little bit older than you, um, so I was already in the youth group when you started attending. Sure. Um, you, you came to a birthday party. I think it was like your first weekend that you uh, were in the youth group, and it was you were an outgoing guy, so it was easy to get to know you. That's true. Was it, was it, I remember going to some, like a beach or something. We went to a beach that day. Yeah. It might've been my birthday. It might've been Aria's birthday, but it was right around the, it was like the end of summer, beginning of fall. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was like, it, you know, this, it was the school transition and, you know, I was flying up from eighth grade into ninth grade and we all went to the beach that day and, and we just, we just hit it off as like a core group of people. We had a great time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's all and the rest is history. Really? Yeah. And fast forward 20 something years and here we are. And here we are talking at 930 on a Thursday night. (laughs) A couple of old guys. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit, too. But uh, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite people on the planet, and that's your wife, Christina. She really compliments you incredibly well, kind of like like the yin to your yang. I want to know, like... Because I don't even know if I actually know this, but how did you two meet? When did you get married? And uh, what are some? What's like one big favorite memory from your wedding day? Oh gosh, that is a, a longer story than you probably bargained for. Oh, um, here we go. <laughs> Strap in, folks. I have known Christina uh, since 1994. We worked together at a big boy. Uh, I was a cook, and she was a waitress. Okay. And we met then and dated for a while. We uh, broke up uh, right before she went away to college. And then we started dating again a couple of years later, broke up again, went our separate ways for uh, quite some time, um, and then managed to reconnect, oh, about 12 years ago, uh, started dating for a third time and got married and it'll be 10 years in April. Third time's a charm, right? 
I, right. I wish I would have gotten it right the first time. It would have saved me a whole lot of grief and headaches. I bet it would. Absolutely right. She is the yin to my yang. She is, uh, she's my rock. She is, uh, keeps me grounded when I get going in a million different directions. Um, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do without having her in my corner. Absolutely. And that, that's a, the way a great marriage should work, you know, and you guys have got it down and I feel like Jill and I have got it down too. And that creates that longevity that every marriage should have, you know, till death to us part. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, it's, you know, I try to follow the advice that marriage isn't 50, 50 marriages, 100% all the time from both sides. Absolutely. It is. And part of that journey for you guys now is parenthood. And I had mentioned at the top that, uh, you're a dad and, uh, your son, Joseph, by the way, also one of my favorite people on the planet. Joseph is seriously the coolest kid. How old is he now? He will be six in two weeks. Gosh, that's insane. Yeah, I don't know where the time goes. You know, I always laughed when people, yeah, not to throw in just fortune cookie wisdom after fortune cookie <laughs> wisdom, but um, people always said, hey, the the days are long, but the years are short. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And now that I'm a dad, it you um, totally get it now, don't you? Right. I blink and he's doing something new. I'm like, I'm waiting to wake up tomorrow and have him be like, dad, throw me the keys. I got to drive. Yeah. I mean, just don't blink because if you do, uh, things are going to happen and it's just going to fly right by. And something that I found, and you probably, and I'm sure you're experiencing this too, is that every stage of parenthood has kind of its milestones and its uncharted territory. So you're anyway, absolutely right. Every every stage of parenthood has its milestones and its uncharted territory. It does. And, and we have both been through the the baby stage. And by the way, don't miss that at all. I don't miss it. Like the baby stuff. Don't yeah. I mean it was fun and but it was also very frustrating and sleep deprivation is definitely real. No, I would say that ninety five percent of it I do not miss. There are right. there are certain things that I miss. Yeah, like baby giggles and you know, right. And yeah. the, just the speed of learning new things. Yeah. The, you know, like, Hey, you couldn't say that word yesterday. Yeah, exactly. It just comes out of the blue. It just out of nowhere, which, which by the way, side note, that's when it really dawns on you. At least it did for me. I kind of got to watch what I say now. I, I definitely have to watch what I say because, um, my son can be a bit of a smart aleck and he, <laughs> I can't uh, imagine you know, where he got I that from. I can't imagine where he gets it from. <laughs> well, just reserve yes. comment on that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anybody who knows you and Chris um, knows that Joseph came into your lives by way of the adoption process. And there there was never a question, um, just there's never a question as to just how loved that boy was going to be uh, once he got into your arms. But with so much personality, did you ever imagine just how amazing of a kid he'd be? Um, he exceeds my expectations in every way, every single day. You know, it's there. There was never a doubt how much he would be loved, but I am amazed at the capacity that I have beyond what I expected to to love that kid. Right. I, I always knew that I would love him, and I always knew that, you know, before I even met him, I knew that, I would love whatever child God decided to place in our love. Um, but it blows my mind how much I love that kid more than I ever dreamed possible. Absolutely. So what I'm curious, and I asked um, 
Tommy about this and, and my buddy Lino, because uh, they're dads too. But for you, what's one, like one of your favorite things about being a dad right now? Um, my favorite thing about being a dad right now is the look of being Superman. Yeah. Like I kid thinks that I could pick the world up on my shoulders and carry it around. And I'm soaking up every minute of that while yeah. it lasts. Cause I know it's short lived. Well, the, the goal is to keep that for as long as we can. Obviously it doesn't work well, for everybody, but you know, it's something to strive for as a dad, I think. Absolutely. I, yeah. I want to be that as long as I possibly can. So, you know, so that obviously that's a huge thing to, to have as a favorite part, but what about a struggle? Like what's something you struggle with, in fatherhood or in parenthood in general? Um, well, like you said, Joseph is an adoptee. Um, so I, I struggle with making sure that he understands all the aspects of that. Yeah. And I, and I, I bet, you know, it, it seemed, and you know, obviously I have no experience with this, but, um, it, my intuition tells me that the older he gets the, and the more you talk about it, the easier it'll be for him to wrap his head around later. You know, if that makes sense, it does. Um, yeah. So, and I'm I'm very fortunate. The agency that we adopted Joseph through provided, you know, pre-adoption classes that Christina and I had to take in, in order to just make sure that we knew what we were getting ourselves into and what we were getting ourselves set up for. They also offer post-placement care. So, anytime we have a question, we're able to reach out to them and get advice from professionals yeah. um, on how to deal with specific subjects. Uh, I also feel like I'm blessed and have a little bit of a leg up over some other people that may be going into the adoption process because I'm an adoptee as well. Right. And I was going to ask you about that because um, not everybody, it seems like it's a very unique situation, at least for your family, in that you have experience with this. So you're able to maybe relay that to Joseph um, as he becomes a young man uh, and, you know, eventually grows into adulthood. You can coach him through some of those um, maybe the doubts or questions or, or inquiries that he may have. You're equipped for that uh, probably a lot better than, I don't want to say your average adopting, uh, adopting family, but, but I think you're better equipped for it in general. Well, I don't know if I'm better equipped for it, but at least I've, uh, I've navigated the road into adult adoptee personally. So I hopefully can understand some of the struggles that he will face as he grows and, uh, you know, questions become more and more complex. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I was going to get into uh, with you about as well. Um, you mentioned that you are an adopted child. Tell me about learning about that. And, and I understand, if I understand correctly, you did meet your biological family Tell me what, you know, give me a little bit of an idea of walking through that process, what that was like for you and, and, and Christina uh, at your side with that. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was very blessed that I that had Christina by my side when I finally got to go down and uh, meet some of my biological family. I've only met my maternal side. So I right. was, uh, I was able to meet my birth mom. I have two half sisters, uh, nieces, nephews. Uh, great nephews. Um, so I was, I was very fortunate that I got to meet some of those people. Right. It was, 
you know, it was always something I was a little bit curious about, mm. um, just kind of wondering where I was from and, um, what that biological family looked like. Right. Um, you know, but it was never something that I was like, okay, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to do it. Yeah. It was, you know, it was always sort of a back burner thing. And then one day I just decided that I wanted to see what I could find out. I took a, um, a DNA test and that didn't provide me any results. So, well, it did, but nothing, you know, sure. like my closest match was like a fourth cousin twice removed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not going to get um, you anywhere. It didn't really, you know, and I'm not a genealogy person, so uh, I wasn't able to build a family tree off of that. But I, what sure. I did do was uh, spark the curiosity a little bit more. And I reached out to the agency I was adopted through they were able to put me in contact with one of my sisters who informed me, unfortunately, that my birth mom was very, very ill and getting ready to die. I, I was, I was, I look at it as I was lucky enough to meet her before she passed on. Yeah. And that's the blessing in itself right there. Right. So the, I, I talked mm. to them and they were like, Hey, listen, she's always wanted to meet you if there's any way you can come down here and meet us, um, you know, if, if you would like to meet her, you, I believe the exact phrase they used was uh, something that is probably much more popular in your neck of the woods than <laughs> mine. The phrase that she said was, if you want to do it, you better get to getting. <laughs> that is a very Southern and sounding so I thing. translated that through Google Translate and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a couple of days later Christina and I were on a plane heading to Georgia. Well, what an amazing story and speaking from an outward perspective, it seems to me that you are most definitely highly equipped to help Joseph through whatever kind of struggles or questions or or things that come up. Uh, because obviously Joseph is going to know, or I, I, I assume that he already knows he's um, adopted or, or whatever verbiage that it, you use to, to describe it for him. Is that, would that be accurate? Do you think? He does. Um, yeah. We wouldn't have it any other way. There's people who don't want to disclose that to young children because they're worried impact that it will have and what the repercussions and ramifications of telling that to a very, very small child would be. But the way we looked at it was it will never get any easier. Right. And we would rather just have that be part of his life. Yeah. Um, and frankly, you know, uh, Christina and I are both white and Joseph is biracial. So sure. uh, as soon as he was able to look in a mirror, he would have known that yeah. one of these things is not like the other. And yeah. And, and, there's no getting around that obviously. And, um, but again, that doesn't even really matter it, because it's the love. That's all that really matters. And you guys are providing that for him. And it's, and it's, it's a three way thing. Like it, it, there's, there's love for all three of you flowing through your house. I absolutely agree with you. It's, it, uh, you know, uh, love will do a lot. And, um, we try to approach every interaction with each other with love whenever we can. Yeah. And that's great. And just what an amazing story. And actually one of my, I have, I have a little bit of a tie in to, to your story. Um, cause as you remember, and this is just a story for anybody listening, cause you already know this, but the, the, as the story goes, Jill and the girls and I, we were going, we were traveling to Michigan for Thanksgiving 
and we had planned to meet up with you guys. Uh, we were going to go to Rochester, look at the, the Christmas lights in downtown Rochester and just hang out. But I believe it was maybe the day or, bef- day or so before we left uh, for Michigan. And we were going to be there for a whole week. You had gotten the call. You guys had gotten the call that uh, you had been chosen, uh, that there was a baby for you. And you were almost immediately s- sweeping yourselves off to Texas, I believe. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Texas. You guys had to get out to Texas pretty much immediately and basically pick up your child. And yes. th- as the joke goes, we were like, I can't believe they ditched us <laughs> to go get some kid. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, it, I, I guess the, um, it's more, it's kind of a payback thing maybe because, um, we weren't able to go to your wedding because we were having our child. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, if you want to uh, call that an excuse, I guess. You know, you guys were busy having a baby. Yeah, gosh, the nerve, right? The absolute nerve. Yeah, um, but that's part of what makes good friendships is the ability to stand each other up when big things happen. Absolutely, <laughs> and and to not hold a grudge about it, right? Right. Yeah, totally. Well, something else I wanted to get into too um, was, and it's gonna it's gonna sound kind of sad when I first say it, but you and I have both experienced a great loss recently but not the kind that makes you sad. And we've lost something that uh, we definitely don't want back. And of course, I'm talking about weight. I've dropped about 85 pounds. I'm, I'm kind of bouncing between 80 and 85 pounds. You have, you have lost a massive amount of weight. How much have you lost now? Uh, I am bouncing between like 95 and 98 pounds right now. That's amazing. See, when I hear that number, I think my my brain just rounds it up to 100. So to me, you've lost 100 pounds. Yeah, well, I would like to, but I'm not allowing myself to say it until I actually do. For me, uh, my trigger in my weight loss was uh, a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. And it's weird because like the beginning, and I wrote a whole blog about this, but I don't know if I even mentioned this in that, but my goal or whatever you want to call it, my my goal was to just, first of all, just to be healthier. And, and it was at the beginning, it was just get my sugar under control and eat better. The goal was never, I need to lose X amount of pounds, or I need to get to a certain number. But once I started doing those things, the weight just started falling off. So for you, what was the the trigger or the inspiration apart from, you know, I want to see my kid grow up and I want to hold my grandchildren, that stuff's a no-brainer because I want to do all that too. Everybody does. But for you, what was that trigger? What inspired you to to get onto this journey and how did you get started? I was, you know, it was, I would get winded playing with my five-year-old and I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to throw a baseball or a football or kick a soccer ball around with this kid in five or six years if I don't do something to make myself healthier. So as many people do in January, I said, this is it. Now is the time I'm going to do it. I didn't have a a specific number on the scale that I'm like, oh, I have to hit this number. It was about, you know, I knew about where I wanted to be. I knew, you know, based on all of the internet research and talks with my doctor and all of that, what a healthy number would be. But I always just kind of looked at it as a, I want to get healthier. I don't care what the number on the scale is as much as I do about a six-year-old. Right. Yeah, (laughs) no, that's important. Yeah, because 
you know, you want your kid to feel successful and to have wins in their life, but you don't want to, you know, build their head up too big. So you do have to outrun them every now and then. Right. <laughs> you do you do have to whoop their butts in air hockey every once in a while, you know. <laughs> right. I you know, I mean if he's gonna try and steal second base, I wanna be able to uh hit him with a squeeze play. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie and, and I bet you agree with this. Uh, but hearing the words come from somebody when they, w- but hearing when somebody says, "You look great," man, that never gets old, does it? It does not get old, and I I don't mean to sound vain about it, but um, you know what? When people are like, "Wow, you look good," what are you doing? What's the secret? It it never gets old to be like, "Thank you." Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like I always precede my response with a "Thank you, thank you so much. I really appreciate that," and. It's so funny you mentioned that because the the question of what is it that you do like what are you doing what what have you done to get to this point you I would normally get really annoyed with having to answer that over and over again it's kind of like have you ever had like a um a cast on your arm or a cast on your leg or you had to walk with crutches Has that ever happened to you uh, it has not. Okay. I've been fortunate in all of my life. I've never broken a bone. Okay. Well, it was a couple of years ago. I, I I strained a muscle in my in my left calf. Uh, I strained my left calf muscle a couple of years ago, and I was walking around on crutches for a couple of days. And literally every person I saw, whether I knew him or not, they had to ask what happened, and I had to tell the story over and over and over again. It got so annoying. Explain to people what I did to get to where I am. It just doesn't get old. Like it, I, it doesn't annoy me at all. Maybe there's some part of me, and, and maybe you have this too. But if I can just, if I can inspire just one person, or maybe just a handful of people to do the same thing, even though I get no reward from that, which is fine, but it helps somebody else out, and that feels good. I agree a hundred percent. I like in work and things like that when people are like, "Oh, what do you do? What do you do to to get that done?" That that gets annoying really quick. But when yeah. people are like, Hey, what did you do? I never get tired of being like, well, I, I work hard and it's diet and exercise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. And you, you can, based on how deep they dig, you can kind of adjust your answers to get more detail, less detail. You know, I mentioned the blog earlier, but I, I wrote this, you know, 3000 word dissertation uh, about my entire story you know, from diagnosis day to present day. And it was right at about a year, uh, almost a year to the day. And now if somebody wants more detail, I can just send them the link to the blog. <laughs> 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 because again, I mean, I, I, you know, I am kind of lazy. You know, lazy's not the word. I like to streamline. Word, right? No, it's streamlining. I like to streamline. It was which, a very well-written blog, by the way. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'll send you the link if you need it again. well that's great and you know if if you haven't heard it today uh i'll tell you again you do look fantastic i'm super proud of you for for the the journey you've been on it's it's still inspiring even though i've gotten to where i need to be and you're pretty much there uh it's still very inspiring and i hope that others can see it as well and are inspired by both of our stories honestly because it's one of those things where if I can do this, if Aaron Elliott can do this, literally anybody can do this. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I tell people that fat, stubborn Polak like me can do it. Anybody can. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> well, well, great job. So I wanted to get into some random things. And this is not like, um, I wouldn't say it's lightning round. It's kind of a quasi lightning round. You can give a short answer, but you know, you don't have to drone on for 20 minutes about it. Like just, you, you get, you get the idea. So what's the, what's the longest you've ever waited in line for something and what was it? Um, well, during the, the pandemic crisis, I waited in line at Costco. <laughs> oh, geez. For toilet uh, paper? But, uh, for paper towel and toilet paper. It was a multi-purpose trip. Yeah. Well, they were, they were definitely at a premium early on in the pandemic. They were. Um, but no, I've been to Disney World, and that's probably the longest lines I've waited in. I think I waited just over two hours for Space Mountain as Ugh. a kid. But you know what? Once you get in to Space Mountain and you ride it, it's totally worth it. You don't even think about the two hours that you spent waiting in line. Right. I wanted to get back in line as soon as we got done. Oh, totally. Yeah. If humans came with a warning label, what would yours say? Oh, gosh. If humans came with a warning label, um, mine would probably say uh, something along the lines of don't take this too seriously. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. All right. What is the scariest sound you could hear in the middle of the night? My door unlocking. Ooh, that's creepy, right? That would be creepy. That's the worst. All right. Uh, I'm... I'm kind of a gadget guy. I'm never, I'm not, I'm not like a super gadget guy. I'm not like go, go gadget, gadget guy, but I do like my gadgets and I love my Bluetooth speakers. I, I, I'm, I have like this weird thing, this weird obsession with uh, Bluetooth speakers. Uh, we just have to have good Bluetooth speakers. What, what about you? What's your gadget? Um, I have, a, I have a Bluetooth turntable. I have a laptop. I have a three-year-old iPhone. I'm uh, a three-year-old. I am iPhone. not really a gadget guy. You're kind of an old guy, then. I'm, I am kind of an old guy. Do you have a jitterbug phone? <laughs> so you have a jitterbug phone? I, I do. <laughs> I've got the jitterbug phone with the AARP plan. <laughs> I just wanted to be able to say jitterbug. <laughs> okay, so I asked Tommy this. I asked Lino this. And, and I think this is just going to be one of those questions I ask uh, anybody who I do this podcast with. But... What is something that, you know, maybe the world or the people in general really love or that are really interested in or really freak out about, but for you, you just don't get it. Like, what is that thing for you? My thing, and I, and I said it before, I just don't get the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, I've seen it. I don't get it. I don't think it's funny. Uh, I see why other people would get it, um, but it's just not my thing. I get judged for that a lot, but it's just not my thing. What's, what's that hey, thing for you? It, first of all, it's a judgment-free zone. If you don't like Rocky Horror, um, you know, other than ending this interview, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we're okay. Um, but uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yep. I, I can. I'm probably the one person on the planet who can say they've never watched an episode. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, and for me, it's mostly because I just don't have HBO. Well, yeah, that's that's part of it. I don't have HBO either, but I, uh, you know, I mean, I've just never had the desire to watch it. All of the previews sort of look like um, The Hobbit got meshed with a horny fourteen-year-old boy. <laughs> like, 
That's a pretty it's, accurate it's description, Tolkien. actually. <laughs> it's Tolkien, but with naked people in the background. Right, and a whole ton of violence. That's That should be uh, like a YouTube series where people try to explain a plot of something that they've never seen, just based on what they know about it from other people. <laughs> like, because that's how... I don't know if I would use those words to describe it, but it would be pretty far off, just just like that was. Okay, so something else I've asked the previous guys, um, and I'm curious about this for you. What's something you wish you knew more about? Something practical. Like, I, I talked about mine was um, auto repair. Like, I wish I could be able to... I wish I had the ability to open the hood, diagnose what the problem is, buy the part replace it myself and not have to shell out a couple hundred bucks to a mechanic. Not because I don't trust mechanics because we have a good one that we go to, which everybody should have a good mechanic, but I just like to be able to do that myself. So what's that for you? What's something you wish you knew more about, uh, that you don't know anything about that you realistically could learn, but you just don't get around to, you probably never will. Um, well, I wish I was more mechanically inclined. I, um, you know, I, I look at like the furnace and I'm like, Oh, I got to figure out who to call for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want me to narrow it down even further, I will say home repair. Yeah. And that's a popular answer too. And I think that's valid. I'm getting there. You know, I've been a homeowner for, you know, whatever, 17 years. And there's something you just kind of, you're forced to fix yourself. Um, right. But at the same time, I've, I've got my guys. Like I've got my plumber guy, I've got my HVAC guy, I've got my yard guys, you know, I've got all my guys. Even, you know, I'm in the same boat as you where I don't know a whole lot, but I know what my threshold is. Like, all right, this is something that I can fix, or this is way outside of my scope. Right. I can, I can replace a leaky sink faucet. I am not replumbing the house. (laughs) I can replace the, the, uh, and I just did this the other day is why it's on the brain. I can replace the parts inside of the uh, the tank and the toilet. Yes. But if there's a leak somewhere down the base of it, forget it. I'm calling my guy. Right. I'm not <laughs> replacing the toilet, but I can replace I can replace the flapper valve. Exactly. Yeah, I got I got that covered. You know, we talked earlier about um adoption and and that's something of a cause. Um I don't want to say it's a charity, but it's definitely a cause that um could raise attention is that is that is that the cause that you would want more people to know about or is there something else that um like a cause or maybe even a charity that you want more people to know about what's that cause for you um yes adoption is a, a big one in my household so anytime anybody wants to learn about adoption you know that's or help out from a cause standpoint there are absolutely uh children in need yeah uh, of help and services so that is a great one in general, I just, uh, that's probably my go-to, but you know, we also do things caught from a cause standpoint. Uh, I'm a Mason, so I do a lot of, uh, work with the community from that standpoint. Um, so there's some great causes there. Um, as far as like I do child identification kits in the mm-hmm. community and, and stuff like that, but that's a big one for me. And then we help out through our church. There's a they run a, a, a soup kitchen and food pantry that uh, we also like to try and help benefit. Well, that's fantastic. By the way, I had no idea you were a Mason. I had no clue. 
Well, that's, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't be broadcasting that out loud. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> don't ask me about the Illuminati. Um, yeah. I cannot tell you about the uh, animal and virgin sacrifices. But <laughs> yes. Well, that's it for, for the random stuff. You did a good job on those, by the way. That's good stuff. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, you did way better than Tommy. Well, well, that's the, the threshold, right? That's the bar. I'm just kidding, Tommy. If you're listening to this, you did a fine job, buddy. I we, haven't listened to Tommy's episode, so uh, I'm sure he did a fine job, too. He did. Yeah, I recommend you go back and listen. It's a good listen. You should listen to more podcasts in general, really. I really should. I'm, uh, like I told you, I'm, I'm, I am woefully bad with tech. Yeah. Um, I don't even have a Spotify account. Oh, jeez. I know, right? <laughs> In all of my free time, I need to to keep up with that stuff because pretty soon I'm going to have to keep up with it because I'm going to have a kid who wants to keep up with it. That's true. That's true. I think that's one leg up I have is that I, I do I do have a, a kind of a, I don't want to say a keen sense of social media and electronics and connectivity and stuff like that. But at the same time, I kind of envy you in a way that uh, because it, it it's very exhausting to have to keep up with all this crap. <laughs> so I do envy you in that. Well, dude, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your life to talk to me. I know we don't talk like this very often, but I know, I know we're, we're, we haven't lost anything, if that makes sense. It does. It's, uh, you are one of the few people in my life that, you know, I feel like we could go a year, not that I want to, a year or two without talking and then yeah. wake up like we haven't missed a beat. Well, there was that, and, and I, I meant to mention it earlier, but I didn't, but there was that dark period before social media where we did kind of lose touch, but it wasn't like a fallout or anything. It was just like we... No, you know, it we, was you lived in one part of the country and I lived in another. And you know what? We still do to this very day. Right, but... <laughs> Thank goodness I am up enough with technology now that uh, via social media we are able to keep up with each other's lives. You're like just enough up on it. Just <laughs> enough. I'm bread and water, man. One last thing. Um, I, I mentioned real estate earlier on that you're establishing yourself in the real estate community. Get, get, how about a plug for your business? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a realtor, uh, but I am licensed for the entire state of Michigan and have a referral network nationwide. Obviously, if anybody wants to talk real estate, they can they can hit me up, Matt Rovis at kw.com. Excellent. And I'll put a link to your email and maybe uh, your social media, your your business page on the show notes for this one. So everybody will be able to get in touch with you that way. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, cool. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time. Any Aaron, any, was, any parting words? It was my pleasure. And thank you for thinking of me as a guest. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Hit the music. Catching Up with Aaron is produced and edited by me, Aaron Elliott, in association with Anchor. Subscribe to Catching Up with Aaron on Spotify or Pocket Casts, and soon on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch up with you again soon.